It's time for Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, inviting the atheist, agnostic, and skeptic to examine for themselves the evidence for the Christian faith. We are all limited by what we do not know and by the things we think we know but are not true. Dr. Joe Mott earned his Ph.D. at LSU and was a distinguished math professor at Florida State University for 38 years, helping to write three math textbooks and authoring over 30 research articles in math. He is now the host of this radio program, Defending and Commending the Faith. Here is Joe Mott. I have been examining the various titles which the New Testament employs to refer to Jesus. I have discussed him as Messiah, Son of God, Son of Man, and Savior. The I Am statements made by Jesus actually referred to the title of Yahweh. I could continue to discuss him as the Good Shepherd, the Light of the World, etc., but the evidence I have already presented clearly implies his deity. So next, I will turn to Category 3, Jesus' Divine Prerogatives. If Jesus attributed to himself things that only God could claim, then we can conclude that Jesus claimed to be God. In a video from the website Acts 17 Apologetics, David Wood says Muslims are trained to ask Christians, where did Jesus say, I am God, worship me? In fact, if you give something that is actually equivalent to a claim of divinity, you will discover that they are insisting on an exact words criterion. Islam believes several things about Jesus common to what Christians believe. For instance, Islam believes that Jesus was virgin-born, a wise teacher, a miracle worker, and the Messiah. But they believe Jesus is only a prophet and not the Son of God. Indeed, they believe God cannot have a son. Jesus was born and God was not born. So Jesus is not God. That's how they think. They think of the Trinity as implying three separate gods. So if you want to counter their objection, David would suggest you begin by reversing their exact words criterion back onto the Muslim questioner by asking this, where did Jesus say, I am only a prophet? Don't worship me. It should be admitted that Jesus actually never said in those exact words, I am God. But he did say many things, either directly or indirectly, that are tantamount to the declaration that he is divine. It seems reasonable to think that Jesus concealed his true identity from the people with biased presuppositions against himself, but revealed himself to any person whose mind could infer that he was God. Some things that the Bible and the Quran agree only Yahweh or Allah can do, 
Yet Jesus said he could do the same. What this will show is, one, that Jesus is actually God, and two, Islam is wrong in their assertion that he is only a prophet. First prerogative, Jesus has authority to forgive sins. Only Yahweh and Allah can forgive sins. In Psalms 130 verse 4, Jeremiah 31 verse 34, and Surah 3 verse 135. Yet in Capernaum, Jesus acknowledged that he was the one who could forgive sin. That can be found in Matthew 9, verse 6, and Mark 2, verses 5 through 12. Second prerogative. Jesus proclaims himself the final judge. Psalms 9, verses 7 and 8. Psalm 96, verse 13. 98, verse 9. And 110, verse 6, says the Lord will judge the world with righteousness. When every letter of the word Lord is capitalized, it is the translation of Yahweh. The Quran acknowledges that only Allah can judge, Surah 22, verses 56 and 57. Jesus said that God the Father has given all judgment to the Son. John 5, verse 22, 24, and 27. In Matthew 25, verses 31 to 34, and 41 and 42, Jesus says he will judge the nations and individuals. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory There, Jesus is referring to the prophecy of Daniel 7, verses 10 to 14, and explained further in Matthew 16, verse 27, and 19, verse 28, and Jude 14 and 15. The Son of Man was Jesus' favorite designation for himself. To Islam, why would a mere prophet say he would judge all nations? Third prerogative... Jesus says he is the truth. In Psalm chapter 31, verse 5, God is the truth, and Surah 22, verse 6, says that Allah is the truth. The truth is one of Allah's 99 names. Yet Jesus says in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Don't Muslims think it's strange that Jesus is applying that name of God to himself? Fourth, Jesus is able to raise the dead. The Bible and the Quran agree that God and Allah will raise the dead. Yet Jesus says in John 5, verse 21, the Son can raise the dead. In John 5, verse 25, 28, and 29, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth. Those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life, 
those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. In John 11, verse 25, Jesus says at the tomb of Lazarus, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies physically, and everyone who believes in me will never die spiritually. Since Jesus is the Son of God, Jesus is saying he is the one who raises the dead. To Islam, if Jesus were only a prophet, wouldn't this be blasphemy? Fifth prerogative, Jesus accepted worship as God on eight occasions. An indication of Jesus' self-understanding can be seen in him accepting worship. On what basis can Jesus do that? The Ten Commandments forbids worshiping anyone except God. Yet the shepherds worshiped the child found in the manger. Matthew 2, verse 11. Jesus accepted worship on at least eight occurrences. From the man born blind whom Jesus healed. When Jesus came walking on the water, his disciples worshiped him. Likewise, a healed leper, a rich young ruler, the Canaanite woman, the mother of James and John, the women at the tomb, and the Gadarenes demoniac all worshipped him. After personally checking out the evidence of the wounds on Jesus' body, the Apostle Thomas is convinced that Jesus had risen from the dead and he proclaims, My Lord and my God. Paul and Barnabas refused to be worshipped when the people of Lystra tried to treat them as gods. The messenger of God refused the worship of John in Revelation 22, verses 8 and 9. It would have been blasphemy for Jesus to accept any of their worship unless Jesus really was God. Jesus never rebuked any of those who worshipped him. Instead of rebuking Thomas, for example, Jesus said, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Instead of rebuking Simon Peter, Jesus commended him for recognizing his deity in Matthew 16, verse 17. Jesus' reception of worship clearly means that he believed he was God and thus worthy of that devotion. Sixth prerogative, Jesus calls himself the Lord of the Sabbath. As Jesus and his disciples were passing through the grain fields on the Sabbath, the disciples began to pick the heads of grain. The Pharisees were offended and questioned Jesus. Why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? The Pharisees had instituted strict Sabbath laws of their own invention, which included 39 categories of forbidden activities. In essence, they had made themselves lords of the Sabbath and by extrapolation, lords over all the people. 
If you consult the three passages in Mark 2, verses 23 through 38, and Matthew 12, verses 1 through 8, and Luke 6, verses 1 through 5, you will see that Jesus appealed to five scriptural situations that defended the disciples' conduct on the Sabbath. First, Jesus referred to the historical example when David and his men were hungry and ate the showbread in the tabernacle, though it was reserved for the priests alone. Second, Jesus appealed to the fact that priests in the temple profaned the Sabbath because they violate the law about the temple service. That's found in Matthew 12, verse 5. I assume the Pharisees had a rule that prohibited certain activities on the Sabbath. But the priests violated that rule as they did their normal priestly duties. Third, Jesus referred to Hosea chapter 6, verse 6, where God desires mercy rather than sacrifice. Fourth, Jesus pointed out that the purpose of God was the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. And fifth, Jesus reminded them that the Son of Man was the Lord of the Sabbath, and they were not. Mark 2, verse 27. The Pharisees had already acknowledged that Jesus declared he was equal to the Father in John 5, verses 17 and 18. Hence, Jesus, as the Son of Man, had the right and the authority to do acts of mercy on the Sabbath, or anything else as he pleased. Jesus was attesting to the fact that just as the Sabbath was originally instituted to provide rest from our labors, so by inference, Jesus came to provide rest from our laboring to achieve salvation by works. Because of his sacrifice on the cross, we can now cease from our labors to attain God's favor and rest in the gift of his mercy and grace. Aren't you glad that Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Read that precious promise in Matthew 11, verses 28 and 29. Thank you for listening to Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott, a production of Wave 94 Radio in Tallahassee, Florida. If you have any questions or comments for Joe, please forward them to Doug Apple at Wave94 at this email address, dougapple at wave94.com. And be sure to join us every Monday evening at 6.45 p.m. on Wave94 and subscribe through your favorite podcast app, Defending and Commending the Faith with Joe Mott.